I'd like to start by asking a question. What's your reaction when you hear the phrase witnessing or sharing your faith or telling individuals about Jesus, personal evangelism, those kind of phrases? What's your reaction when you hear that? For some of you, I'm sure that it's a reaction of excitement. In fact, I know that for a number of you, the, the way that you have witnessed and told your friends, your colleagues, your co-workers, your neighbours about Jesus, it just kind of oozes out of who you are and that you probably hear the idea of personal evangelism and you think, yeah, that gets me excited. And I want to commend you guys. I've heard even stories in the last week of people feeling prompted to share the good news of someone and then them coming along to church. It's, just, it's wonderful to hear. For others of us, and I'd include myself here, there might be a slight tinge of guilt when we hear that phrase. You hear the, the idea of personal evangelism and you think, gosh, that's an area of weakness in my life. And I'd include myself in that. Um, I, I find it much more difficult to share the good news of Jesus one-on-one -on -one with an individual than I do to stand in front of a whole room of people. In fact, I'd find it more comfortable standing in front of a thousand people and telling them about Jesus than one-to-one. -one. That's, that's kind of the way... That, that I'm wired. And for many of us, maybe that's the way that we, we might not necessarily feel more comfortable in front of a thousand people, but we might think, yeah, that's an area of, of weakness, if I'm honest. It's not a, it doesn't rank there in terms of priorities. I know that it's a good thing to do. I know that God wants us to do it, but it's not something that I find particularly easy. And uh, we're going to look at a passage today that I hope is going to help us. For those of us who need challenging, and challenge from God is good, and I've been challenged as I've prepared, um, I hope that we're going to hear a challenge from God that's going to help us, move us into a place where we're going to want to tell the good news of Jesus to individuals. And for those of us who find that exciting already and kind of find that that's a part of our day-to-day, -day, I hope that you will feel encouraged and strengthened as we look at this passage. So we're in our Acts preaching series at the moment. And we've been tracking the mission of the early church. We've been looking at the fact that it's moved from, uh, after Jesus ascended to heaven, it's moved from telling people about Jesus in Jerusalem. And then from Acts chapter seven onwards, we see the church scattering after the, the death of Stephen, one of the early church leaders, and they start preaching the gospel in Samaria. And we looked at the first half of chapter eight last week where Philip, the evangelist, one of the early church leaders um, preaches the gospel to hundreds and hundreds of Samaritans and loads of them are saved. It's like this massive evangelistic campaign and he sees loads of Samaritans saved, rescued, coming to know Jesus, receiving the Spirit. And today we're going to look at a story where Philip goes from preaching to hundreds to going somewhere where he talks about Jesus to one single person in a completely isolated place. And I think that's going to help us as we think through the idea of personal evangelism, or as I've told this, as I've titled this sermon, bringing Jesus to individuals, not to the hundreds, because I imagine for most of us we think, oh, I'm not a preacher, I can't, I can't do the whole big evangelistic campaign thing. But for most of us, that's going to look like one-to-one -one conversations with friends, colleagues, neighbours, family. I trust that. God's going to use His Word today to help equip us in that area. So we're going to be in Acts chapter eight. If you want to grab your Bibles, and uh, we'll be reading verses 26 to 40 together. So if you've got your Bibles, it's great to be able to follow along. If not, the words will come up on the screen so you can follow regardless of whether you've bought a Bible or a phone that has a Bible app on it. So we're going to read verses 26 to 40 of chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. 
And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. And Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of God. We look at three simple, but I think helpful lessons on sharing the good news or bringing Jesus to individuals that we can, I think we can get from this passage. I think there's so much to get out. We're not going to be able to cover everything. In fact, you might over your mealtimes, as you're talking about what we spoke about this morning, you might want to think, what are some other lessons we can learn from this passage? But I'm going to look at three. And the first of those lessons that I think we can see in this passage when it comes to wisdom and lessons for bringing Jesus to individuals is listen to the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. Did you notice that it wasn't Philip's idea to go to this particular road? That it wasn't Philip's idea to go up to the chariot? He heard that guidance from God. So verse 26, this is not the Holy Spirit directly, but it's still God's guidance. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. He hears from an angel and goes. And verse 29, then the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And verse 39, the spirit teleports Philip to another place. Now that's a little bit more unusual, but the point is the Holy Spirit is the one who's directing Philip at this particular point. And that's something you can't read the book of Acts without noticing. The early church is constantly hearing the Holy Spirit speak to them and they're responding and they're going telling, to tell people about Jesus. So in a few weeks' time, we're going to look at the story of Peter and Cornelius. Peter hears God speak to him, gives him a vision, and in response, he shares the good news with a centurion called Cornelius. Acts chapter 13, there's a prayer meeting going on and the Holy Spirit speaks and says, I want you to set aside Paul and Saul and Barnabas for the mission that I've called them to. And in response to that, Saul and Barnabas go to preach the gospel to pagans that have never heard the gospel before. Or Acts chapter 16, Paul, the apostle Paul, has a dream about a man from Macedonia saying, come and help us. And in response, they go and preach the gospel in Macedonia. You can't get away from it. It's everywhere in Acts. Now, this doesn't mean that the early church only ever preached the gospel when they heard directly from the Holy Spirit. 
In fact, as you read Acts, you think most of the time they're just sharing the good news about Jesus anyway. So in a sense, this isn't me saying the only time you should ever preach the gospel or ever tell people about Jesus is when you directly hear from the Holy Spirit. Actually, the Holy Spirit has already spoken in the word of God by telling us to make disciples of all nations. So what I don't want you to miss here what I'm saying, but what we do get from this story is that there are times where the Holy Spirit speaks specifically and that can be help, really helpful when it comes to sharing the good news with people. And in fact, I don't think this story would have happened if the Holy Spirit hadn't spoken specifically to Philip. Think about it. Think about what Philip is being asked to do in verse 26. Go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Philip's been preaching, as far as we can tell, Philip's been preaching the gospel to hundreds of people in Samaria. If the Holy Spirit hadn't told him, go to this desert road, I don't think that they would have had a strategic meeting where they decide, right, where do we go next? You know what? Let's go to the middle of nowhere where no one lives. That's, the, that's going to be the best place to preach the gospel. But he hears and he responds. And I think there's stuff for us to learn here, to, to grow in being the kind of people where we allow the Holy Spirit to speak specifically to us to enable us to share the good news with people. That our days become a bit more marked out by things like hearing the Holy Spirit say, go and tell that person about Jesus. Or take a diversion on your way home from work tonight because I've got someone that I want you to meet on the way. I want, I want to grow in, in that kind of thing. I want to be the, the kind of person that hears the Holy Spirit speak really clearly and then responds in that way. I want to be a little bit like a deer. Now, I was, you'll get this in a minute. I was walking along thinking and praying about, uh, about this sermon on Friday and we happened to be down in Buckinghamshire with my, uh, my wife's parents and I was walking along this lovely path of forest either side and there are deer that live in Buckinghamshire. Now admittedly, those of you who come from Scotland will know that they're not the nicest deer in the world but compared to the deer you get in Peterborough, it's better than nothing. Um, but so you see these little muntjac deer in the, in the forest and as soon as you come within 50 metres of them, they stop whatever they're doing, they immediately look round and they've clocked you. The smallest sound, the smallest little treading of your feet, they know that you're there. And I think that's quite a powerful illustration of the idea of hearing God over all of the noise of life. And just having those moments where, like those deer, you hear the Holy Spirit say something and you suddenly go, I'm listening, God. I want that to mark me out. That's the kind of thing the early church did. They were like deers in that sense, hearing the Holy Spirit speak and they're immediately going, right, let's drop everything. Let's go and respond to that. And so one of the questions we can ask is, uh, how can we grow in that? How can we grow in hearing the Holy Spirit interrupt us in our day-to-day -day lives to direct us to go and talk about Jesus to someone? I think just a few simple lessons, really. In, in many ways, these are obvious, but I think very often we need to remind ourselves of the obvious. And I think prayer is important. If you struggle to hear God speaking to you about particular things, Pray to God and ask him that you would hear clearly. Pray to God, say, God, would you help me throughout my day to hear from you, interrupting whatever I'm doing? Would you help me to hear from you directly? Even as I'm busy, help me to hear from you so that I can respond to you in obedience. I think linked with this, becoming familiar with the scriptures really helps. I think immersing ourselves, spending time reading the scriptures together, which is one of the reasons why we preach on Sundays, but we don't want that to be the only situation in which we're exposed to the word of God. Because the Holy Spirit inspired this book. If you, if you want to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you at any time, you can open your Bible. If you want to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you out loud, you can read your Bible out loud. 
This is inspired by the Spirit. And as you become more familiar with it, you start noticing moments where you think, wait a minute, that sounds like the kind of thing that the Holy Spirit would tell me to do. I've been immersed in the word that the Holy Spirit has inspired and now I'm hearing more clearly. That's often how I find God speaks to me. I'll, I'll find my, my mind drawn to particular passages of scripture and I think that's exactly the kind of thing that the, the Holy Spirit who inspired this book would say about this situation. And I think that's another way that we can learn to, like those deer, attune our ears to the, the quiet, still voice that we might just not hear if we weren't listening out for it. I think another thing is to obey the small prompts. Those moments where you think, oh, I think the Holy Spirit might be saying something here. In those moments, those small acts of obedience, where you think, I think the Holy Spirit's asking me to go and pray for that person. I think the Holy Spirit's asking me to go and share the good news with that particular person. At that point, I'd like to ask the question, what's the worst that can happen? If you haven't heard the Holy Spirit, the worst that can happen is you've just shared the good news with someone. And in that sense, actually, you have heard the Holy Spirit because he's told us to all do that anyway. And I think actually having that obedience in the small prompts where you think you're learning to develop being attuned to the Holy Spirit. I'm sure baby deer have to learn that. Correct me if I'm wrong, biologists, but I'm sure that that's the kind of thing that over time you, you start becoming more and more attuned to what's going on. I think the same is true when it comes to following the Holy Spirit. You become more and more attuned to his voice as you step out in obedience. Let's not be too busy to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us. I'm very often very busy in the sense that I've got my day planned out. I know when I need to get to work, what I need to do, what meeting I've got when. And very often it's like, well, okay, Holy Spirit, no interrupting because I need to get somewhere within a particular amount of time. I've got five minutes to get there so you can't interrupt me now. And I heard a very wise evangelist who's a church leader within our family of churches share once that they felt once that they were too busy to be able to share the good news with people. And so he decided to allow himself an extra 20 or 30 minutes to get to places, which would mean that if he arrived there early and there were no opportunities to share the gospel, he could spend that time praying. But it would allow him that time to be able to respond to particular situations that would come his way. And I think the same would be true when it comes to allowing ourselves to be guided by the Spirit. Do we cram our days so much with so much busyness that even with the Holy Spirit shouting at us, we can't hear him because we're so set in, no, this is what my day is going to look like. And I think, I think that's something that the early church didn't have. They allowed their plans to be interrupted. And I think maybe part of that is allowing that space within the day. So we want to listen to the Holy Spirit. So yes, let's listen to the fact that the Spirit has spoken clearly. We are called to share the good news. But particularly, let's be listening for those moments where the Spirit prompts us for specific situations. I think a second lesson we learn from this passage is the idea of crossing boundaries. Crossing boundaries. That's another thing that Philip does. There's a number of reasons why Philip, in this passage, shouldn't have approached this Ethiopian eunuch. One of the reasons might be that the eunuch, from as far as we can see, was rich. He had a chariot. He was able to afford a scroll of the prophet Isaiah, which, by the way, was not, does, does not cost the same amount as buying a five-pound Bible off of Amazon. Back in those days, that was very expensive. He owned a chariot which I know modern equivalent might be having a Lamborghini rather than just having a car. He was a rich guy, very important person. He worked in the court of the Queen of Ethiopia. So it would have probably taken Philip, who as far as we can see was a relatively normal guy, quite a lot of courage to go up to this person. But more importantly than his social class, this Ethiopian was a eunuch. And that was a massive boundary. So for those of you who don't know what eunuchs are, let me try and explain in as 
least, least explicit as possible, but there, was, there were particular rulers in those days who would often have servants and they would castrate them, which would basically involve removing or crushing your male organs, not nice, um, in order to basically, so that they could take care of the king's wives without being a threat to them. So it's not a particularly pleasant thing whatsoever, but that's what being a eunuch is. Now, why would that be a boundary? Why would that be a barrier? You think, well, that's, that's not nice, but surely that's not a boundary or a barrier for Philip sharing the, the gospel. The reason it would have been a, a major barrier is that according to the Old Testament law, eunuchs were not allowed to join the people of God. Deuteronomy 23, verse one says this, no one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. There's your verse for the day for you. <laughs> eunuchs not allowed. In, in part of God's people. And this man clearly was a worshipper of the God of Israel. He'd been to Jerusalem, in, presumably for some Jewish festival. So he would have presumably wanted to become Jewish, which you were allowed to do. You didn't have to be born Jewish. You could become Jewish if you went through a particular process. But eunuchs were not allowed. They were part of a group of people who, even if they wanted to, could not become part of God's people. It might be a little bit like being, trying to travel to the US and having a stamp on your passport from a country that they will not allow you to enter in from. Where you think, I want to go into the US. And you think, well, it doesn't matter how much you want to, you've got a stamp from whatever country it is, you're not allowed in. And the eunuch would probably fit in that particular situation. But when Philip hears the Holy Spirit tell him, I want you to go and share the good news of Jesus with this Ethiopian eunuch, Philip obeys the Holy Spirit. And at this point, we've got to stop and ask ourselves, why did... Philip conclude that the Holy Spirit was speaking. Because we've just said that you become partly, you become familiar with the voice of the Holy Spirit by becoming familiar with the scriptures. And the scriptures that the Holy Spirit inspired said no eunuch is allowed in part of God's people. So why did Philip not just go, you know what, that might have been a bit too much cheese before bed last night. I, I've, I haven't heard correctly. He concludes that the Holy Spirit is speaking to him. Why does he do that? And the reason is, Philip knew his whole Old Testament he knew that there was a prophecy in Isaiah 56 which says this, Isaiah 56 verses three to five. This was written about 800 years after Deuteronomy was written. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say the Lord will surely separate me from his people. Let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree, which is a metaphor for not being able to have children. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. In other words, the Old Testament predicts that there is a time coming where those who were previously excluded are included. And that time is now. That's the time we are now living in. That's the time that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, those who were previously outcast, even if they wanted to be part of God's people, are now allowed in because of what Jesus has done. And that's why Philip concludes the Holy Spirit speaking. I know this prophecy. I know that the whole Old Testament was pointing towards a day where the Messiah would come and these boundaries would be broken down. So I'm gonna cross over this boundary and I'm gonna share the good news with this guy. I think this is really, really important when it comes to thinking through preaching the gospel and sharing the good news of Jesus with people. Who do you find easy to talk to about Jesus? Who is it that you find, you know what, I just find it easy to talk to this kind of person about Jesus. That's great, continue doing that. 
Who do you find it difficult to talk to about Jesus? Who would be your equivalent of the Ethiopian eunuch, where you think there's a boundary that I need to cross here? I don't naturally find this kind of person easy to talk to Jesus about. Are there some people that you might even discount, that you think, I'm not sure it's even worth sharing the good news with them, because I'm not sure that they're going to do anything about it? I think there's a challenge for us as a church and as individuals to ask ourselves the question, are there some boundaries that we need to cross? One particular boundary that as a church we need to make sure and as individuals that we're crossing is sharing Jesus beyond our own culture. We, we feel called particularly, it's a good thing for all churches to represent the diversity of the city that they live in, but we do feel that that's something that specifically God has spoken to us about, the art of representing the diversity, the cultural diversity of Peterborough. And we're really grateful that we're seeing signs of that begin to happen, but we need to cross boundaries because there are groups of people and, and cultures within Peterborough who do not yet know the gospel and no one within that culture is gonna be sharing the gospel with them because there's no Christians within that, within that people group. That's same internationally as well, but if we're speaking just about Peterborough for the moment, that requires people like you and me who might not be from that people group or that culture to cross the boundary and say, I'm gonna share the good news of Jesus with these people who I actually don't have much in common with, but you know what, when they, re- when they respond to the gospel, I will have the biggest thing in common in the world with them. It requires crossing boundaries. So those of you who are here today, maybe who aren't followers of Jesus, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, you're very welcome. We love having you here, you're welcome to come as much as you want. But it may be that you're sitting here and you're thinking, I can think of some boundaries that would separate me from becoming a Christian. I wonder what those might be for you. Maybe you think, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to be a Christian. I can't, surely can't become a follower of Jesus. I'm not good enough. Or I'm not educated enough. Or I'm not the religious type. I'm not the church-going type. But the wonderful news of Jesus is that there is no boundary between us and him that is big enough that he is not able to cross that. In fact, Jesus crossed the biggest boundary that there ever could possibly be. He crossed the the barrier between God and humanity. The barrier between God and humanity is infinitely bigger than the barrier between any human being and another human being. And Jesus crossed that boundary so that you and me could come to know him. And so if you're here today and you you think, surely I'm disqualified, surely I can't be part of God's people, I'd, I'd like to say to you, you can because of Jesus. And I'd love to offer you an opportunity a little bit later to find out more, to know what it would mean for you to come to follow Jesus. So we listen to the Spirit, we cross boundaries, and finally, and you might think, this is just so obvious a point, why do you even bother saying it, Dan? I'm gonna say it anyway, speak about Jesus. You think, surely that's the whole point of preaching the gospel and sharing the good news of Jesus. And I agree. But interestingly, I think that that's something that is worth saying explicitly, and I'll explain why in a minute. So Philip has crossed boundaries. He's gone into the the chariot with this Ethiopian, and he hears the Ethiopian reading Isaiah 53, which is an amazing prophecy about the coming and the death and resurrection of Jesus 700 years before Jesus was actually born, that that was written, which is amazing. And let's reread the section that the eunuch was reading. This is in verses 32 to 33. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. 
Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch doesn't know that this is talking about Jesus. And so he asks Philip, he says, who who is this talking about? And the response is what we read in verse 35. It says this, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Philip spoke to him about Jesus. He knew that this prophecy was talking about Jesus. And so he told him about Jesus. He didn't spend all of his time dwelling on, oh, did you notice this interesting construction in this verse? He might have talked about that a bit, but he got to Jesus. In fact, as a side point, if you ever hear preaching in this church which doesn't get to Jesus, you have my permission to come to me and say, Dan, that was very interesting. That wasn't a sermon. You didn't talk about Jesus. This is what we're called to do. We are called to talk and tell people about Jesus. And that's what we're called to do on Sundays when we preach. That's what we're called to do when it comes to sharing the good news with individuals. Philip knew this passage and he knew it was speaking about Jesus and he told him the good news about Jesus. Shall I do that? Shall I share what Philip might have said to this Ethiopian eunuch as he was reading Isaiah 53? You see, in Isaiah 53, we're introduced to this character called the servant. In fact, we read about him when we read those verses. He was led to the slaughter. He was like a lamb silent before its shearers. If you read the rest of Isaiah 53, you find out that this servant was bruised, beaten, crushed. The kind of beating and punishment that you would not want to look at. In fact, that's what the passage says. It says he was so disfigured beyond all human recognition that we didn't even want to look at him. And in that prophecy, it tells us that everyone who saw him assumed that person, that servant, must be suffering because God is punishing them for some terrible crime that they've done. That's what most people seeing Jesus be crucified would have thought. They would have thought, he must be dying on that cross because he has done some terrible crime against God. But Isaiah 53, as you read on, if you were to read it fully, maybe you can do that in your own time over lunch, you realise that it's not the servant's crimes that he's being crushed for. It's not Jesus's sins that he's being punished for. It's our sins. It's our wrongdoing. It's our crime. As it says, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that brought us peace. You see, Jesus, when he died on the cross, was not being punished for his own wrongdoings. He was being punished for our wrongdoings. He was crushed, judged by God the Father with the judgment that we deserved so that we do not need to go through that judgment. So that the judgment that we rightly deserve for the fact that we've lived in rebellion against God, we do not need to receive if we put our trust in Jesus. It's wonderful news. And Isaiah 53 goes on to talk about the fact that after he dies, this servant, Jesus, would be raised from the dead. And after Jesus was raised, he ascended to heaven and is seated, enthroned in heaven at the right hand of God the Father, rules over the universe and commands all peoples to repent, which means to turn away from their current life and to turn to him and to receive the free gift of forgiveness. That's the good news. That's the good news of Jesus. He crossed the boundary so that we could come to know him because he took our punishment. Do you know that? Maybe that's the first time you've ever heard it for some of you here. And if that's the case and you think, I need to do something about that, I'd love to offer you an opportunity later. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, do you know that? 
Is that something you meditate on, reflect on? Is that something you take joy in? That's not something we graduate from. We don't become a Christian by listening, listening to the gospel and then we move on to more advanced stuff. We constantly need the good news of Jesus. Is that what we're telling other people? When we're sharing Jesus with people, is that what we're telling them? Because in my experience, I often find it easier to talk about the church than I do to talk about Jesus. It's very easy to tell people about the church when you work for the church. Like, oh, what, what do you, let me ask you the most British question in the world. What do you do? Which is strange. I'm sure that in many cultures we don't ask, what's your job when you meet someone? But that's what we do over here. And um, the, the answer for me can be, well, I work for a church. I'm a, I'm a trainee pastor in a, in a local church. And I tell people about the church. And I think, yeah, the church is great. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is glorious. But the church doesn't save. Jesus saves. He's the one who rescues. He's the one who's brought us out of darkness into his glorious light. He's the one who's changed us. We need to tell people about him. And so next time that someone asks me, what do you do? I don't need to stop at talking about the church. I can say, I work for the church. I'm a trainee pastor. I, I, I tell people about Jesus. Can I tell you about him? Let's tell people about Jesus. Let's move even beyond letting people know that God loves them. Wonderful, we need to do that. God does love them. But if we don't tell them the good news about Jesus, they won't know how God has loved them. They might just think, oh, that just means that God loves me. But I don't need, I, there's enough, that doesn't mean anything for me. But actually the good news of Jesus goes beyond just the message that God loves you. It says God loves you and he's done something about it. Let's pray for the sick to be healed. Absolutely, some of you are warriors in this. You pray for your colleagues to be healed. You see your colleagues healed, it's wonderful. As you do that, tell them about Jesus so that people don't just know the healing, they know the one that the healing points to. They know the one that the healing demonstrates is Lord of the universe. That's what we're called to do. We're called to tell people the good news of Jesus. So there we go, three simple but hopefully helpful lessons on bringing Jesus to individuals. So let's listen to the Spirit, let's cross boundaries, and most importantly, let's tell people about Jesus. Let's speak to people about Jesus. And having hopefully modelled that a bit in the last few minutes, I would love for those of you perhaps who are here and you, you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus at the moment. You say, actually, I've been invited along and it's very interesting hearing this, but you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus. If that's the case and you think, having heard this, you think, I need to do something about this message. What I've heard today has convinced me I need to do something about this. I need to turn and follow Jesus. I need to make him the centre of my life. If that's the case, I would love to chat to you after. I'd love to, maybe I can grab your details. We can go out for a coffee so we've got more time to, to chat. I would love to have a chat with you after as you express your interest in coming to know Jesus. But I would love it if, if, if that is you, if you're able to maybe even just now just pop your hand up and um, I can come and find you afterwards. So I'll just give a, a, few, a few seconds um, if you want to make yourself known and I'll, I'll come and find you afterwards to be able to talk with you. Great, well, we are not limited by putting our hand up. So if, uh, great, thank you. If, um, if you did want to find out more about following Jesus, please do come and find me after the service or find one of the other leaders or even the person who brought you and said, I need to find out more. 
I need to find out how I can become part of God's people, how I can be reconciled to God. And I would love to talk to you about that. But why don't we pray as we conclude and ask the Holy Spirit to take what we've heard and to help us to put it into action. So that as Jesus said, if you hear my words and do them, you will be blessed. We wanna be a best people. So hopefully what the scripture has spoken to us has blessed us in one way, but we will be fully blessed as we put it into practice. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us to do that. So Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he crossed boundaries, that he came to reconcile us to God. And Father, we want to tell others about that wonderful news. We, we want to tell others about how amazing Jesus is. We want to tell other people about the fact that he's king, that he's Lord, that he's won the victory, that there's nothing that needs separate them from God ever. And Father, I pray you would help us. Help us to obey the promptings of the Spirit. Help us, Lord, to cross boundaries, to share the good news, Lord, even with those that we might not naturally be like. Lord, help us to cross those boundaries as you did. And Lord, help us to speak about Jesus. I pray help us to delight in Jesus so that speaking about Jesus would be the most normal and natural thing. That would be the kind of thing, why wouldn't I talk about him? He's amazing. Help us, Lord God, to reflect, meditate on the good news of Jesus and that that would overflow and spill out as we talk to our friends and colleagues and neighbours and family. Lord, we pray we would see many, many, many people saved, rescued, brought into God's family because you moved us to tell people about you. So Father, we pray for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.